Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. If you're in the States, happy President's Day. And if you're not in the States, happy Monday. Uh, Thank you all for being here today. I'm super excited because today we have on number one New York Times bestselling author Kelly Armstrong. And before I read her bio, if you've never read her before, oh my gosh, you're in for such a treat. And I have to share that I might not have been a published author had I not been brave enough to (laughs) email one of my favorite authors, which was Kelly. And uh, she has always just been fantastic. Just she's just a great person. I can't wait for you guys to meet her. But um, she really encouraged me, and I love that. Um, for anyone out there who is a beginning writer, don't be afraid to send a great email to an author that you love, because writing, unlike other um, industries out there, it, it tends to be you know people want to help another person out. So don't be afraid to reach out and say hello. But anyway, Kelly is the bomb, and I can't wait for you guys to meet her. So let me read her bio so you can get to know her. Kelly Armstrong believes experience is the best teacher, though she's been told this shouldn't apply to writing her murder scenes. (laughs) To craft her books, she has studied Aikido, archery, and fencing. She sucks at all of them. She also crawled through very shallow cave systems and climbed half a mountain before chickening out. She is, however, an expert coffee drinker and a true connoisseur of chocolate chip cookies. And I did put a link to her website right there on the Blog Talk site. So if you're listening live or if you're listening later, you can click that anytime and go check out. Her website is organized really well, so you can click on each series because there are a lot of books. So if you haven't read Kelly yet, oh, you're going to have so much binge reading. Um, But you can check them all out there on her website and definitely sign up for her newsletter. And I don't want to delay any longer. Are you there, Kelly? I am. Hello. Ah, (laughs) Hi. It's so fun to have you on the show today. And you're coming from Canada, right? I am. I'm a couple hours outside of Toronto. And here it is family day today. So we all get a day off to stay home with our family. Oh, yay. Well, I'm sorry I'm taking you away from your family for just like 30 minutes. Oh, no. That is perfectly (laughs) fine. (laughs) You've had enough of those people. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited that you're here because you have a new book out tomorrow, and it's the first book in a new series, right? You want to tell everybody about Murder at Haven's Rock? Yeah, so Murder at Haven's Rock is the first in a spin-off. So I I have a series called The Rockton. Premise is it's a small town, small hidden town in the Yukon where people go to disappear. The series ran for seven books and bit of a spoiler there. At the end, the town is dismantled and the main characters decide they're going to start their own town where they are in charge and everything will be perfectly fine and apparently they <laughs> didn't read the title of the first book of, of the spinoff murder at haven's rock i feel bad darn it but, yeah. <laughs> so this is really just starting starting anew so it is a point where if readers have not read rockton i crafted this first book in the spin-off as completely, you know, you can you can completely jump into that as a brand new reader. 
Oh, I love that. I know I I am a voracious reader and always have been, and it's always fun to see a uh, new author and see all their backlist, but it is a little bit overwhelming when you look and you're like, oh my gosh, there's 20 books. I have to go back and read 20 books yep. before I can start this <laughs> one. So I love that you're doing a spinoff <laughs> where people can jump in because once you jump in, then you're like, oh my gosh, I have to read every single one. But, you know, it can be daunting when you look and you're like, oh, I got to go back 20 books. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So when you were writing this one, did you have fun putting your characters in a whole other place? Was it very fish out of water? Was it was it fun? I did, yeah, because by the time I hit about seven books in a series, I really am getting to to the point where I need to change things up. My longest series is The Other World, which went 13 novels. And by the end of it, I really realized that I had probably overstayed my personal welcome a bit in that once I started something new, it was so fresh and bright and shiny that I kind of swore I'm not going to do that again where I do a very long running series. So seven books was kind of like where I hit the point of going, okay, now is the time where if I want to continue this, it would be in a different form. I did kind of wrap it up. Um, and then it was actually the publisher who said, would you be interested in a spinoff or, <laughs> or are you are you done? And I said, I could do a spinoff because then I can do new setting, new challenges, some of the you know old favorite characters, but also bringing in fresh new characters and more challenges and conflicts and all that fun stuff. Yes. And can you give us, because I know like the women of the other world was paranormal. Is Rockfin paranormal or just lots of murder? It's just lots of murder and forest and <laughs> things in the forest, none of which are supernatural. They keep on joking about, like, zombies, but there are no zombies <laughs> in the forest. There are there are grizz, grizzlies and people that you don't want to cross and all of that, but no actual paranormal. All right, so no grizzly shifters. No grizzly shifters, just actual <laughs> grizzlies, yeah. Okay, just the actual bear. All right. <laughs> but you're not but you're not only writing that. You're also writing the Rip Through Time series, which is time travel, right? You want to tell everybody a little bit about that? Yeah, it is. So Rip, Rip Through Time started last year, um, and it is a uh, 21st century uh, police detective from uh, Vancouver is in Edinburgh and finds herself through some thing, magical thing, um, ends up in the body of a uh, housemaid in 1869 Edinburgh, and she is working for an undertaker slash doctor who's doing early forensic work. So you can see where I brought some of that fantastical element in there. And if, and if you want to talk fish out of water, taking <laughs> a you know, modern you know, career woman from our world and putting her into the body of a 19-year-old Victorian housemaid is definitely fish out of water. Right. Oh, my gosh. How in the world did you come up with that idea? And had, did you go to Scotland and you saw the standing stones and you're like, that's it, I'm writing time travel? <laughs> that I, had actually, I had this idea for years, and I'm, I, I love reading historical books, but I'm terrified of writing them because 
you're guaranteed to get stuff wrong. Um, I like right. the uh, research, but I'm, I'm always afraid of that person who says, actually, you got that <laughs> wrong. And, and you, right. you, you just can't get everything right. So I had done actually some time travel, a couple of time, time travel romances stitched through it, a stitch in time. Um, and that kind of let me play with both time travel and historical and then that got me ready for this. Now, as for why it's set in Scotland, because so much of the time travel and the Victorian is set in you know, England, London, right. I wanted to do something different. Scotland was more progressive when it came to women's rights and certainly were ahead of the game on you know, medical. So that all worked out very well. As, as for visiting, though, this little thing happened called a pandemic. <laughs> What the so, plague? <laughs> right. So I sold the book. I sold the first one. I think it would have been like just like literally fall of 2019. And and I was I had my tickets and everything to go to Edinburgh in May of 2020 when I would be be starting to write the book, which would come out in 2022. I had lots of time, right? right. So obviously that didn't <laughs> did not work. So then I thought. No problem. I will just go in 2021 and go back in and fix up whatever I got wrong. But, of course, that didn't work. That didn't happen. So I actually was in Edinburgh the week that the book came out, which, of course, is too late to fix anything. But I had right. some wonderful readers. I kind of put a, a call out on my social, social media to any readers who are in Edinburgh, and I you know, hire you to you know, read an early copy of, of a rip and let me know where I've gone wrong. So I got four people from the area to read it and help me avoid making mistakes, although I'm sure I still did from my own <laughs> fault. <laughs> well, I, that brings up another cool point is you're really, you, I think you do a great job keeping your readers involved because you write a lot of books and a lot of different series, but you are on Facebook running contests. You have your newsletter that goes out. Um, how, how do you keep track, I guess, of, you know, keeping in touch with readers? How do you do all that? juggle <laughs> yeah well you know the newsletters are all scheduled so that i you know have something on my calendar saying before this release make sure you do a new newsletter um and then i occasionally kind of fall off the wagon you will see me on social media fairly active and then all of a sudden i'm just dead silent and that means i'm really wrapped up in the writing and then like oh crap I need to get on there and post some actual stuff. So I come back on, especially, you know, release, release week, because it's really bad when I'm not, you know, saying I've got a book out. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think that you do a good job of juggling it. And you used to do a lot of newsletter stories and things. Do you still do that? Now that they're self-publishing, you probably just put them out, right? Yeah, I used to do a lot of e-serials. Um, I actually did mm -hmm. one. Again, we keep, we keep mentioning that P word, but the uh, yeah, pandemic. Um, <laughs> when that came out, I was, I was supposed to be writing this dark YA thriller. And the pandemic hit literally as I sold. I think, I think I sold that in like February 2020. So literally as that is hitting, I sell it. 
and I was really struggling to write this because it was mm-hmm. dark. It's it was science based. I'm like, I just can't do this. So they actually, I asked if I could get an extra year. So it did get postponed. And it comes out this year, um, but. <laughs> What I really need, needed was light and fun. So I started writing. I did a free e-serial book, um, Cursed Luck, uh, came out that year, where I was literally just writing and posting chapters as, as I went. It's a duology about a woman um, who can you know, read curses and curse things comes comes from from a family of curse weavers. So they're they're far more heist than murder. They're far more light, fun, you know, that sort of almost cozy-ish paranormal. And that that was exactly what I needed at right. that time. And then of course once that you know urge past I started writing horror and that dark YA thriller because <laughs> it seemed to have to just completely switch switch from I want light and fun to I want dark 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 right that was enough light and fluffy where's the killing it was yep yep <laughs> well I noticed on your website it when I was gathering everything that you're writing one book and you're editing another and I thought, how do you do that at the same time? My brain doesn't work that way. Do you do like, do you write in the morning and then you edit at night? How do you keep both of them separate? Yeah, I, it's actually usually I, I'm sort of editing in the mornings, and then I do. I've got a group that I do writing sprints with, which again started because of the pandemic and people struggling to focus, yeah. right? So yeah. they started doing it. Uh, like afternoon, like Eastern time, one to three, um, where writing, um, and that meant that I was getting my, I, I can get, if I just sit down and write full out, I can pretty much get my daily word word count in there. So that's my writing. I might do a little, little, a little bit more afterwards before, but mornings are mostly ed- editing. And I really need that because I can't write you know, 5,000 words a day or whatever I hear other people can write. Right. I can't do that. Um, so the editing is a, you know, involves that different part of my brain that I can relax a bit more and more analyzing things rather than creating things. Okay, yeah. And I it's so funny because I was the same way the pandemic hit and it like I, I couldn't I I couldn't write. I was so stressed out and the world was on fire and yeah. and somebody I knew on Twitter lured me to Zoom and now it's like, wow, how did I write before writing sprints? What? <laughs> um, <laughs> Up on the Zoom, yeah, that peer pressure keeps you off the internet because at the end you don't want to be the only one who says, "Well, I didn't get any words because I was on Twitter." Um, Right, right. you're giving your word word counts. You're seeing other people are there, so you know that they are all writing, and you've got this compressed uh, time. Right. Yeah, I can get my word word count in, and it's wonderful because now I'm really on the track of this is my writing time, and if I'm in there writing every day at that time, which I like to write daily, um, I will keep on 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 a schedule. I am not going to fall off my schedule and get behind on anything, which is right. wonderful. And- yeah, that is definitely the blessing of the pandemic was that I was forced to learn to use Zoom. And I also, yep. you know, 
started doing Zoom writing sprints because it really, if you're just focused and just write, you get so much more done than I ever did before. I, it's like, wow, I suddenly write faster. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> well, speaking of writing, all of our listeners always love to hear about the writing journey and how you got to, you know, getting published and all that kind of stuff. And, and I know your, your story, but they don't. So can you tell them how it all, it all happened? Yeah. So I have been writing since a child, childhood. Um, as a child, as a teen, I've always written. Um, I did not expect it to become a career because my parents were very practical. And I, and I really do appreciate this because if I'd said I wanted to become a novelist, they would have said, that's nice, dear. And what are you going to do to make a, a living? Which, as <laughs> we know, is a good question. It really is. That, so that I, is. <laughs> went into coding. I had been coding on Commodore 64. I really enjoy it. So I got myself a you know nine to five corporate cubicle code coding job that paid the bills, the benefits, all of that, so I could write on the side. Um, and so if I was doing that, had I think it would have been three completed books that nobody wanted. I, I was really writing to trend. So whatever was the current trend, whatever people in writing groups and writing communities said was hot, if it was something that I thought I could also write, like a private eye, a you know, female private, private eye, I was writing that. I finally gave up on that and just wrote the book that I wanted to write, which was about a female werewolf. And I thought, no one's ever going to buy this book. If, if I mentioned it in a Euro writing group, I, I, w- I would hear that. That's lovely, Kelly. But if you have to write that stuff, could you at least write about vampires? People buy books on vampires. But I loved <laughs> this story, wrote it. Um, did a lot of it. It took years to write it because obviously, you know, I was working, had a kid, married, etc. Finally got it done, had an instructor look at it um, and asked him whether he thought it was ready to go out on submission. He thought it was, and he even recommended, uh, said, you know, got me to recommend you to an agent. I'm like, oh, my God, yes. So he called her up because I I knew the name. She was an A-list Canadian editor for me. And I'm like, that would be my ideal, sorry, agent, Um, A-list Canadian agent. And I'm like, that would be my ideal person. Calls her up, says, will you take a look at my student's work? She says, what's it about? He says, werewolf. She says, she says, no, 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 no. Until she later admitted she only said yes to get him off the phone. So then I I you know send this book in. I'm cursing because it's the days of bubble jet printers when papers flew everywhere, oh gosh, and you yes. and you were literally <laughs> and you were literally it, it was 90, 1999. So you were literally sending in an actual book, and I was cursing to my husband, going, "This woman doesn't even want to see this because he didn't." The uh, uh, editor ad- admitted that the agent didn't really want it, um, <laughs> but I sent I. I sent it in, and about 10 days later, she called and offered to represent me. While she just didn't, you know, fantasy was not her thing, horror, werewolves, whatever, were not her thing. But what she did like was 
dark thrillers and strong female characters. So this book had had that, and so she could overlook the uh, were, werewolf part. Yes, Elena was definitely that that strong heroine. And for people who maybe aren't familiar with your books, they may not realize that the Bitten TV series was actually from that that first book bitten on yes. uh, sci-fi yeah. and I think you can stream it now too. So anyone who's listening who hasn't seen it yet, it was a great series. It was so much fun. I just, I loved it. And, um, and because really like the werewolf series on TV, um, maybe teen wolf, uh, another werewolf series. Well, true blood had werewolves in it, but the thing about bitten was that, that Elena was, you know, she was the powerhouse of the pack. And I just think that that is, you know, so unique and cool. Did you love seeing your characters come to life on TV? What? It was very cool. It was such a, a fun experience. The the rights to Bitten sold before the book even came out, which was wonderful. But then, of course, that option got you know ended. Another option came. That option ended. So it took <laughs> a very long. By the by the time the series came out, I think the first uh, first one came out in 2012. It was the same year that the last book in the series was. Coming, coming out. So, yeah. And then it finally came out. <laughs> yeah. That's so exciting. I had um, Steve Alton who wrote the Meg books, you know, the shark movie that came out yeah. a couple of years ago. He had written those, I think, 25 years before that. And uh, he came on um, right before the movie came out and we were talking about it because he'd been, he said, you know, I've been putting in my newsletters for 25 years, but all the movie rights just got taken again, but nobody would ever make it. So so Mm -hmm. it's really cool that you finally got to see it because so often movie rights get bought up and you know, nothing, nothing happens. It's like they buy them so that no one else can have them. (laughs) <laughs> they do. They they like buy them just in case. And so whenever I see a debut author saying, I just optioned my book and they're going to make a movie slash TV show out of it, I'm I'm like, oh honey, just hold on. Optioning <laughs> <Yeah>. is like <laughs> optioning is step one in a very long process. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, so when yours got bought for TV, did you have anything, did you get to do anything with it or you just got to go show up when they were filming? Did you get any say? Uh, yeah, I went and saw the uh, downstage. Mostly I, I let them run with it. I'm very aware that TV writers are writers and they want to be able to do their own thing. And the last thing that they want is the author hanging over their shoulder going, that's not how it happened in the book. They'll get plenty of that later once the show comes out and all the yes. readers say, that's not how it happened. But you know, they are right. creating their own vision based on the basics of what the author has, has done. Right. You were like, you were the skeleton and then they took it and ran. Yeah. Yep. Because everyone who loved the series and watched the TV show went, oh, he doesn't die. Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> and that was a, conver- that was a conver- 
conversation. Um, it was a conversation because I actually kind of said something like, I would have killed him and probably would have killed him off like very quick quickly. Um, and they were and you know readers here now are, are like what? And I'm, and I'm I'm like no, I could never get that particular that particular character did never quite work for me and I actually have like ways now that I could have gone back and killed him off sooner and just gotten it over or <laughs> over with so but he lived so the in, 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 you. in the books and died in the show yeah yeah yes <laughs> but you know it kept us all on the edge of our seat then because I was not expecting that yeah <laughs> yeah uh, so before we run out of time, I was talking to you before the show because I was so excited, but you have your first horror novel is coming out um, later this year, right? Hemlock Island? Right. You want yes. to tell everyone yeah. about it? Because I'm excited. <laughs> like, I, I, like I was saying to, uh, to you earlier, I've been writing horror since that was, that was what I started writing. As a kid, the first story that I can remember writing was a ghost ghost story and uh-huh. after that it was me exploring variations on horror the first novella I uh, wrote was a parody of Stephen King's Christine I mean everything uh-huh. that I wrote in the in those early days was horror and Bitten certainly has elements of that and it was shelved in horror in some places but it's it actually not it's more fantasy thriller um, so I've been waiting for the chance to write a full-length horror. I've been published in short fiction horror in anthologies for years now, but waiting for that first horror one, which finally it was the right time, and I pitched something and sold it. The basic premise is it's one of my favorite tropes, which is you're trapped on an island with something that wants to kill you. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And the name of it works really well, too, Hemlock Island. That sounds like an island you would not want to be trapped on. <laughs> exactly. Yes, water hemlock. There's, there is there is a small patch of water, water hemlock on there, even though it's not quite the right area. There's a small, there's a small patch, which is the deadliest plant out, out there, and the island is in Lake Superior. And if people think lakes and they're not from the Great Lakes, region. I mean, I live right across from Lake Erie. I can see it right now looking out my window. Lake Superior is the biggest and the deepest. There are there 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 are freighters that are at the bottom of Lake Lake Superior. Right. It's very deep, very cold. You really are in the middle of nowhere if you're on an island there and and a stuck. You are not just swimming to a shore. Right, right. They're like their own oceans, those those they are, great yeah. lakes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't wait to read it. Um, <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, and so <clears throat> before we run out of time, <laughs> I, I don't want to ask you a question that's going to have like a super long answer, but I do want to know <laughs> <laughs> what should we be binge watching that you love right now? That there's so much content out there. Like Interview with a Vampire just came out. Um, what what are you enjoying watching right now? What I just finished and watched the first two series back to back is Slow Horses on Apple TV. It is oh. um, disgraced disgraced MI5 uh, 
MI5 agents. So the series are only like six episodes long, which is wonderful when they're really action-packed and twisty, and it held my attention. I tend to wander off easily. I really enjoyed it. So. Ah, okay. I can't wait. And I have to ask, because of all the time travel, have you watched the Umbrella Academy on uh, Netflix? I saw the first uh, season of it, but I have not gotten back to the other. I uh, really enjoyed the uh, first season, but what happens is if the second season isn't there shortly, I wander off. (laughs) I see, yeah. Well, the second season was, hello, it was really good. (laughs) So it's definitely worth going back to catch that second season. And I I don't know when, I just know they they got signed for a third and final season, so I can't wait. But but the time travel in Umbrella Academy is so fun because every time they try to stop the world from ending, by stopping the world from ending, they cause the world to end. So it's just. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Yep. It's very fun. Right, right. You never know. You change one thing and something else goes kablooey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how can readers get in touch with you after they read the books and they're all excited? Where should they go? Yeah, so my uh, website is kellyarmstrong.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and still hanging around on Twitter while grumbling about hanging around on Twitter. (laughs) Yes, yes, we all are grumbling and kicking the dirt. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm still there too. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, thanks so much for giving us your time on Family Day to come on the show. And everyone, run out and pre-order Murder at Haven's Rock. It will be in your e-reader the middle of the night tonight. And uh, it's going to be a great read. I can't wait. Thank you. Thanks for being on, Kelly. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.